behalf of him. I know Courtney was telling me one time she had a teacher that was very oppressive to Christians. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't be that way. But it is. That's the way life is. And Christians, we need to learn to get tough. We need to get tougher, right? We live in a crybaby society. And I'm just going to say it. It's the truth. And we whine and complain and cry about everything. And someone says something to hurt our feelings. We can't let it go. And we need to learn that this is not our home. This is not our home, and this is not where we're going to be forever. And we're going to suffer for the cause of Christ. I don't know to what degree it might be. There are missionaries right now, as I speak, that are truly suffering for the gospel and for Christ's sake. And we're, we live in America. We have all these freedoms. And we get upset because someone makes a post or someone says something about us. We have to understand that there are men and women who literally have lost their heads because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And I think the church needs to, to bolden up. You know, we don't need to be jerks, but I think we need to, to grow a little stronger in our faith and not be so biblically wimpy. Can I say that? I did, anyways. Well, biblically wimpy. So why does, why does Peter bring this up? Because every generation from the beginning of the church, the founding of the church... Out the entirety and to the end until Christ comes back, every generation will suffer for Christ. There are people who have lost their jobs because of their faith in Jesus Christ. I, I remember the story of Eric Little. How many of you remember the story of Eric Little? Uh, Chariots of Fire, you seen the movie Chariots of Fire? He was uh, running in the Olympics for Britain and he was a missionary and he was a devout believer and he didn't want to run on Sunday. And he refused to run on Sunday. And it cost him the race. And a lot of people were mad at him. A lot of people thought he was foolish. Well, he entered another race in which he had never really trained that much for and wasn't astute at running that race. And he decides, I'll go ahead and run that race because it's not on Sunday. He gets up to the line and the, the, the runner on the American team, if you've ever watched the movie, walks up and hands him a piece of paper. On that piece of paper was a scripture... He that honors me, I will honor him. It's in the Old Testament, Samuel. And interestingly enough, the race gun sounded and Eric Little won the race. That he was not, had never run in that race. He was not qualified to run that race. Well, he's qualified, but he wasn't a, a leader of that race. But he won because he honored the Lord. Now, he suffered a little bit because he wouldn't run his normal race, but God made it right. Do you know that he went on to be a missionary and he died as a missionary at an early age in his life. And sometimes we as believers say, that's not fair. They were serving the Lord. Why would, they, why would God take someone that's serving the Lord? Because we don't know why God does what He does. He's God. He doesn't have to explain Himself to us. But there is suffering throughout every generation. And Peter lays out this wonderful course of action here that we need to take heed to. Look at verse 12 for me. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though something strange happened to you. What Peter says is you and I should not be surprised when we face suffering because we are Christians. Do you know that when you believed in Jesus Christ, you entered into a spiritual battle? It's not a battle with flesh and blood, but principalities against uh, spiritual, high, wicked forces. 
And we are in a battle every day. And a lot of people today, I know it's, it's really popular today to name it and claim it, and God wants you to live your life, and He wants you to be happy and never have any, any problems and have all your needs net, met, and, and He wants you to be rich and all this stuff. Well, listen, that's not in the Bible. You know what that's called? That's called heaven. And you've got to die to get there, right? You've got to die. And so we have this Americanized modern church that teaches all this. And that's why we've gone down the road we have and we've got all this fictitious stuff happening in church, happening in church rather than the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Do you know that in China right now, there are Christians who ride bicycles and walk over one hour, one way, just so they can hear the Word of God preached? I mean... We have freedom and we can go and we can go to conferences. We can go to church as many times a week as we want to. And we find ourselves always complaining about how we're oppressed and nothing's going our way. We know nothing of suffering. And yet Peter says, why would you think it's some strange thing that when you face a fiery trial? We should not be surprised. Notice what he says in verse 13. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Now he's not saying you should say, Woohoo, I'm suffering. Yay, I'm rejoicing. Now that's ridiculous. What he's saying is that you can take joy when the suffering comes, when you're suffering for Christ, for being a Christian, that you are participating, you are united in Christ in His suffering. Do you know that Jesus Christ suffered the most for you? And for me. Do you know that every time someone struck him or spit upon him or they took that cat of nine tails, that whip that had lead metal on the end and it would rip the flesh from his back when they pushed the crown of thorns on his head, when they drove the nails through his hands and his feet. Did you, you realize he was doing that for us? That is the ultimate sacrifice. When's the last someone, time someone nailed you to the cross? Let me ask you a question. How many in here would actually go to the cross for your friend? Oh, you say, I love my friend, but it came down to it, it would, be, it would be a task. But Jesus willfully died for the vilest sinner. So He knows about suffering. And when we suffer because we are a Christian, we are united in Christ. And listen to me, there will be a special reward for you and for me when we suffer for Christ's sake. That when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. There's coming a time when everything that's happened in this world will not matter. When His glory is revealed, when we visibly see Him, when He returns to this earth or raptures us out, and His glory is revealed, we stand before Him on that day, all the things that we went through will not matter. And let me tell you, the Bible says that we can stand before Him and not be ashamed. It is possible. And let me remind you that as a Christian, when you stand before Him, you're not standing because of salvation. If you're at the Bema seat, you're there because you believed in Jesus. If you didn't believe in Jesus and you're not saved, you go to another, which is called the white, Great White Throne Judgment, and there everyone is cast into the lake of fire. So if you're at the Bema seat, you're saved. Your salvation is not a question. That was dealt with on the cross. But your rewards for your faithfulness or your loss of rewards for your unfaithfulness. 
And we don't talk about that in our churches. How many of you have heard statements like this? Well, if I get to heaven, that'll be just enough for me. That's foolishness. You've never looked face to face to a righteous and holy God. You have never seen Him in His glory. And when you do, it will change your mind and your notion to that kind of thinking. Verse 14, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, He is blasphemed, but on your part, He is glorified. Now, I want to just say this. I want to say this. Peter is going to give us two reasons now for suffering. Now, I told you last week, we don't always know the reason, but he gives us two specific reasons why people suffer. The first reason is what I just mentioned. Speaking to Christians, Christians suffer, number one, because of Jesus Christ. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you will be an enemy to some people. It always amazes me. How many of you remember when you were a teenager in school and you had friends and you thought, man, my friends will be together forever. We're best friends. And after you graduated, you rarely see them. You rarely see them. And we often think about those things. In the old man is dead, Harry likes to sing that song. And in, in the verse, and I always get the words all mixed up on everything. But I'll just tell you this. I, the gist of the, the, the song is everybody's wondering why he's not painting the town red and running around. Enemies. Remember when the prodigal son went out and lived riotously. He had money. He was the life of the party. But when he spent all that he had, nobody wanted anything to do with him anymore. When he decided that he would repent and go home, nobody wanted anything to do with him. And you will lose friends because you believe in Jesus Christ. Now, preacher, you're making a great case for me to want to follow Him. Let me just tell you this. Jesus told His disciples, and He's telling us, that whatever you sacrifice for Him on this earth, you will be well more compensated up there. And it will be all, all more glorious. So if you're reproached, if you're reproached because you're a believer in Jesus Christ, people are going to oppress you. You know, I've talked to uh, wives who've come to faith in Christ and their husbands are not saved. And their husbands put them through little hell because they've came to faith in Jesus. They've come to faith in Jesus Christ. I've seen it reversed too. I've seen people lose friends because of it. I've seen people have problem and be miserable on their job because they're a Christian and they won't do things. I was talking to a man last night on the phone and he was telling me of his son and his son was working in this job and it was a lucrative job. And he said they, he was a salesman and he could make a lot of money, but when he got to looking, they were wanting him to do some things that were not right. They were wrong. And he, he told them literally, I'm going to leave. I will not take this job. I will not do what you want because you all are crooked and what you're doing is against the law and I'm a Christian. I can't do that. He went to selling cars uh, and he's selling cars... And he said he struggled the first month or two. But he kept his Christian testimony intact. And he said, as of today, some three or four months later, he is the top salesman for that dealership. And they have marked him for management 
And listen to me. They've marked him for management. He sold three cars yesterday alone. And the man was giving me a testimony, praising the Lord that he chose to do right because he's a Christian and suffer because of it. He lost that lucrative job. Guys, I'm telling you, this is real. And Peter says, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. See, what we don't realize is in the times that we need Him most is when God shows up on our behalf. Now, we all think about suffering. We think, oh man, I hope I don't have to do that. Are you right? Are you with... Who's human? I mean, anybody in here morbid and say, hey, I want to go right into suffering? None of us do. We're, we're human, but it's amazing to me the grace that God gives you when you're suffering. How could these men who translated the Bible into English be burned at the stake, burned alive for the cause of Christ, and sing hymns and praise the Lord as they're dying? And you're mad because someone made a Facebook post about Christians. Really? Guys, come on, man. We can do better. The Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. When you and I go through suffering, God's Spirit, His presence is revealed to us. His strength is revealed to us. And we get that. We get His presence and His strength. He's always with us. But in times, it tells us here, it rests on us. It rests on us. It stays right there while we're suffering. And God enables us. And I I tend to think the way things are going, you can see it biblically, it's trending worse and worse, that suffering is going to come more and more. There's going to come a day when they try to come in here and say, listen, if you preach this book, you're going to lose your tax-exempt status. They can have the tax-exempt status. We'll find out who the real givers are. If you're giving for to write a tax write-off, you're giving because you love the Lord. We'll find out, won't we? And uh, there's going to come a time when they're going to tell you, you you can't pray here. They're already trying to do it, which is foolish. No one can stop you from praying in school. Even if they tell you you can't pray in school, you can pray. How are they going to know? You don't have to... Vocally speak out loud to pray. There's going to come a time when you will be and I will be marginalized even more than we are now because we are believers in Jesus Christ. The world calls us bigots because we believe in what the Bible says. We're not bigots, we love people, but we just love God and we're committed to Him, we're committed to Christ and His way. And if we suffer reproach because of His name, He will rest on us and His power will be evident in our lives and we will get through it. But let me tell you this. Rather than standing in the day of suffering, if you run, you're going to forfeit that strength. You're not going to forfeit His presence because if you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But He's not going to give you that extra special strength during times of suffering. 
on their part, speaking of those who would reproach you, He is blasphemed, Christ. But on your part, He's glorified. How many of you have heard this in churches? We exist for the glory of God. Right? When we talk about glory, God's glory, we talk about answered prayer. We talk about praising Him. And it's interesting to me, and I'm not trying to say this, but most often when we give God a praise, we praise God for something specific He's done in our life. Right? How about this? How how come no one ever talks about glorifying God by suffering for Christ's sake? When have you ever heard a testimony where someone said that they glorified God by their suffering for Him because they're a Christian? We have a missionary, Edgar Fagali. How many of you remember Edgar Fagali? That guy is amazing. He's up here telling a story. He's a missionary to the Middle East. He's up here telling stories of over in, and I won't mention them because we're on the internet there, and over in the Middle East there, witnessing to Muslims, and there's gunfire going on. And he's telling these stories. And in the midst of all this, and in the midst of all this oppression and everything, they were able to get a contract in Iraq on the radio stations through the airwaves that the gospel is presented in the Arabic language going all throughout the Middle East. Isn't that amazing? And he's over there dodging bullets, and I don't know if you all remember him, he's a quite interesting fella. And uh, he's dodging bullets and running from the authorities and doing all this, and they're establishing churches. And he never once complained about how hard it was. Not one time. Why? Because God's given him an extra strength, a special strength to get through it and to keep on. But in contrast, the Bible says, in contrast, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Now let me just say this. This is not an exhaustive list. But what Peter is saying is, don't let any of you suffer as a result of sin. And I kind of crack up because he uses this murderer, thief, evildoer. We think of those are despicable. And he says busybody and we're like... "Mm Can I say it in modern terms? Stay in your lane. Don't put your nose in people's business that it don't belong in. And if you are one that you love your brother and your brother's overtaken in a fault, the Bible says if you're spiritual, you can go to your brother. Right? But if he's not, say it's not a a direct violation of the Word of God... It's just mere gossip. Stay out of it. Because Peter lumps, you, lumps that kind of person in with a murderer and a thief and an evildoer. And he tells us this. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ and you willfully, openly sin, you will suffer. Not only will you suffer, but you will be disciplined and you will be chastised. Hebrews tells us that He chastens those whom He loves. 
And if He doesn't chasten you, then you're not a son. And so, when believers live in sin and refuse to confess and repent of that sin, you will suffer. And it's amazing. Sometimes people live in sin and they begin to suffer and they come and they say, Pastor, I don't know why this is happening to me. And I, I, want to say, and I do say from time to time, do you ever suppose that the reason you are suffering is because of what you're doing? See, nobody wants to take responsibility for their own selves. They always want to worry about what someone else is doing. It happened in the garden. Adam, did you see it? Well, it was this woman you gave me. Eve, what'd you? Well, it was the serpent. We don't want to take accountability for ourselves. But if you know that you're living in sin, you think, well, I'll get it right tomorrow, or I'll, I'll worry about it later. Right now I'm not ready to repent of it. And let me tell you, that's foolish. Because all the devil has to get you to do is delay till tomorrow, and then tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. See, the first time you sin as a believer... It bothers you. And then the second time you do it again, it don't bother you as much. And the third time you do it, it doesn't bother you as much as it did. And before long, it doesn't bother you at all. And so God starts bringing things in your life to bring you back to Him. As any good father would discipline his or his child, he would make sure out of love that that child is corrected. And Peter said, Listen, if you're going to suffer, suffer because you're Jesus Christ. Because you belong to Him. Don't suffer because you're an evildoer or you're a sinner. Don't suffer because you're too proud to confess and repent your sin. And let me just say this. A lot of people confess their sin, but they don't repent. You confess your sin, He's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You repent of that sin and you don't do it again. You confess without repent, you find yourself confessing the same sins over and over and over. Don't raise your hand, I'll raise mine. And he says, you will suffer. Don't, don't let any of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. Look at verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. If you're going to suffer for Christ's sake, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. I have met people before, and it's not in this church. I've known people outside this church, and I met someone that they, they knew... And I said, yeah, you know so-and-so, yeah. He says that uh, he goes to church and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he goes to church? Why are people ashamed? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. It is the power of God for salvation. Right. And listen, there's power in confidently and boldly declaring the name of Jesus. Even in the midst of suffering... That girl out in Colorado that year, I think her name was Cassie, 
And they put a gun to her head and said, Do you know God? And she said, Yes. And they pulled the trigger. Point blank range. Point blank range. If you're going to suffer, don't be ashamed if you're suffering for Christ. Glorify God in this matter. Speak up. Speak up. Verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Now, I do not believe that he is talking about the final judgment. I think he is talking about right now. That God uses sometimes suffering in our lives and sometimes He uses uh, discipline or correction in our lives as a form of judgment to bring us back to Him. You know there are things that you do that there are consequences and you know there are consequences and you do it anyways and then when you face the consequences... You can't say, why is this happening to me? You knew the consequences and you did it. And now you're facing that judgment. You say, but I didn't think there was any judgment. Listen, let me just tell you this. Believers, we are judged in our sins. I'm looking, I'm thinking in my mind, trying to come up with an illustration that I can use, but I'm afraid to. Because I know people that do this, and then they'll think, you're, the one, you're talking about me, I'm not talking about you. But there are certain patterns of behavior. I'm just going to say this. Perhaps someone drinks all their life alcohol, and they're a born-again believer in Christ. They drink excessively all their life, and they end up with cirrhosis of the liver. I'm looking at the floor. I'm not looking at anybody, so you don't think I'm thinking about you. the judgment has come upon them for that. And what's going to happen? They're going to lose their life. You know, the Bible teaches us, and, and this is a, something interesting. You know the Bible passage that says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Do you know that word soul, suke in the Greek, is also translated life? Just, a, just a, a verse or two before it, it's translated life. Think about this. What would it profit you if you gained the whole world and lose your life? You're dead. Your trophies, your kids, oh wow, dad's trophy, put them in the attic. I'm not so naive as to think that my kids are going to go through my sermons. They're going to be in the box and they're going to be in the dumpster. That's life. It's life. You go to a, an estate sale and you think, man, wow, this guy had all kinds of great stuff. And guess what? He left it all there. And you're pilfering through his house. He's dead, and you're going through his house buying his stuff. And everybody else is. What does it profit you? What does it profit you if you, you do that and you lose your life? And the Bible does teach us that if we would judge ourselves, as in discernment, we would not be judged. In other words, we would not enter into those activities. We continue. Verse 19, Therefore let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Here's the conclusion. If we're suffering for Christ, here's what we need to do. Number one, commit, trust. We need to commit our lives to Him. We need to commit our lives to Him. Lord, I am facing this 
this, this suffering because of you. I need you. I'm asking you for your strength and your power. I am going to trust you. This is easy to preach, church. And it's easy to tell someone when they're going through something. Brother, you just need to trust the Lord. I'm not going through it. But let me tell you this. When you trust the Lord, when you truly trust the Lord, when you come to the end of yourself, He lifts the burden off of you. He helps you. sustains you. When suffering comes, because you're a Christian, trust the Lord. You don't have to say anything. Jesus, when He was being questioned in front of Pilate and and He was being accused and everything, the Bible says He opened not His mouth. I would love to take that verse out of context and and apply it to some people. Hey, Jesus opened not, not His mouth. Why don't you open not your mouth? Um, but that's not really a good application of that scripture. But the point I want to make is this, church. Trust the Lord. Trust Him. Secondly, he says, commit their souls to Him in doing good. Don't quit. When suffering comes, don't quit. Don't quit. Church, the devil wants you to quit. He wants you to get frustrated because things are not going your way. People are talking about you because you're Christian. They're making fun of you. They're persecuting you. He wants you to quit. He wants you to quit. When you suffer for being a Christian... The devil wants to use that as a motive to stop you from doing good. But have faith in God. Don't quit. Don't quit. And then I would say this. Remember your Creator. If God can create the heavens and earth, and He can and He did... He can take care of your situation. He can help you to be bold. And what we need are some bold Christians. We don't need, we don't need cave-in Christians. We need men and women who will boldly stand up for the cause of Christ in the face of opposition and persecution and proclaim the name of Jesus. We discovered last week we're going to suffer. Adrian Rogers was preaching one time and he said, if you're a Christian, you're either going into a trial, you're in the middle of a trial, or you're just coming out of a trial. And that pretty well sums it up. But Peter says there's a special kind of suffering that comes in the life of the believer. And it comes as a result because you follow Jesus. It was a strange thing when Jesus said, listen, if you don't hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister... You cannot be my disciple. They looked at him and said, I'm supposed to hate my mother? Doesn't the law say that I'm supposed to honor my father and my mother? What he was saying is, if you don't love Christ more than you love them, 
you're not going to follow Him. As a matter of fact, if you love Christ more than you love them, you'll love them better than you could love them without Christ because He is love. And so let me just say this. When we face persecution, and we will, we must commit ourselves to Him. We must trust Him. We must continue to do the work He's called us to do and not quit. My favorite verse, and I think we have it up here, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Interesting in this passage. He tells us to trust in the Lord. Do not lean on our own understanding, but acknowledge Him. Now we think we know what acknowledge means. It doesn't mean a mental ascent, head knowledge. Acknowledge means to seek to know Him. To seek to know Him. That's what that means, acknowledge. And I will tell you this. In the midst of suffering, if we seek to know God, not say, God, remove this suffering, but I'm going to know you and I'm going to have you lead me through this suffering. I'm not going to get in here and make a mess of it by leaning on my own understanding. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to seek to know you. The Bible gives us a promise that He will direct our paths. And isn't that what we need? We need Him to direct our paths. It's going to come. And God's Word tells us it's going to come. We must be ready. And may I say to you, if you are here and you're suffering because of your sin, I plead with you to confess and repent. I'm not being a busybody in your affairs. I'm reporting merely what the Word of God says. As a preacher of the gospel, I'm just telling you, if you will, confess and repent and let God lead you out of that suffering. You might be here and you may have never placed your faith in Christ. You have never come to the end of yourself and looked unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You've never seen your need for Him. Or maybe you've seen your need, but you just have never, by faith, turned to Him and believed in Him. Today you can. Every one of us has sinned. We're all sinners. I never had to teach any of my children how to sin, yet they could do it. And your children too. And as a matter of fact, me and you. We're all sinners. And the Bible says that the punishment, the payment for sin is death. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. Someone has to die because of our sin. And the Bible tells us that God demonstrated His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you were at your worst, He was at His best. He died on the cross for you. Your sins have been paid in full. All you have to do is turn to Him and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. What a shame. The Bible teaches us that He is the propitiation, not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. There will be men and women 
who will die and go to hell having their sins paid for on the cross but have never had the blood applied to their lives by faith. What a shame. If you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, today right where you sit, you can. And the understanding of knowing that you're a sinner and you deserve to die because of your sin, if you will turn to faith in Jesus Christ and believe in Him, you will be saved. Would you bow with me? for just a moment.